Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service, in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans, or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This is Paul. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. Somebody saw this slide earlier and said, too soon. Uh, I actually had the whole picture of the whole scene up there, and I thought that's really unkind to the, the gentleman who's pictured, who if you've ever heard him speak is, is probably the most well-spoken, spoken, spoken, that's great, well-spoken per person on the team uh, and is a great guy and a great player. And this really has less, less to do with that than the team, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, anyway, I didn't, I didn't, and he might be here today. If he is number 87, we love you. Um, but the scripture we just led, read, short, right? About running the race. There's a, a lot of component parts inherent in that scripture. There's the concept of running and what that entails. There's the concept of winning and competing. There's a concept of ability. There's, of course, the corresponding concept of potential failure. And then there's the concept of scarcity, the idea that we barely have enough or may not have enough to have what it takes to win. So we watched our local NFL team fall short again this past Thursday, and all of those concepts we just discussed from the Scripture are woven into that loss, winning and losing, competing, ability versus inability, and even scarcity, whether it's injury or the limitations that the salary cap places on our ability to have players. But one thing is for certain that if the Saints, or for that matter, any team, are playing neck and neck with another team and the score is close, there's a distinct possibility of a loss. And to put that in the New Orleans vernacular, that ain't good. And to put it maybe another way, that ain't good enough. So why is it then that so many of us ride down the path of what is the least I need to do to get to heaven? I understand that no one desires a more difficult life than they need to have, but the Bible never pursues good enough. Instead, Scripture only tells us how to be our best. Our friend Paul, who wrote that Scripture we just read, wanted to be the best Christian who ever lived. And I'm here to tell you, I think he succeeded now, we are constantly concerned, though, with our concept of scarcity, not having enough, and it limits our activities and what we do. We don't have enough time. 
we don't have money, we don't have enough good looks, we don't have enough charm, we don't have enough strength, we don't have enough courage, we don't have enough ability. I'm sure the list goes on from there. Even though the Bible advises us that we have everything we need to be the best Christian that there ever was. For example, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, a little farther down from today's scripture, he says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, I'm convinced, and I think most scholars are as well, that that scripture also entails that if we take that promise from that scripture to heart and defeat temptation, then we will avoid temptation to live in a scarcity mindset, which artificially limits our activities and our efforts to be less than what God intended for us to be doing as Christians. In other words, that scripture means that we, each one of us, has everything we need from God to succeed. And the corollary is this. We know that living in that life with a scarcity mindset will always be fearful and will always be anxious. And we have learned in this church that when motivation to us is by fear or anxiety, that is not motivation which is coming from God. Being able to live in God's abundance requires us to lift our eyes above the physical realm. I'll acknowledge if you're in pain and you're physically injured, you know that often causes a laser focus on a single thing, the physical realm and the physical pain. And in times of pain, we may fail. We may even stubbornly refuse to recall what God has done throughout history as shown in scripture, as we've even seen in front of our own faces. And therefore, we ignore what God is capable of doing in the present moment. Scripture tells us like 269 times that we are to remember what God has done. Apparently, God knows how easily we forget. Jesus tells us in the gospel, put the resources in my hands and see what I can do with it. For example, in John 14, Jesus says this. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. You know, based on that scripture, like instantaneously we what we perceive as our own scarcity now becomes abundance. That's what the disciples did to trans, uh, transform themselves into disciples, mostly a group of individuals who had very little, but they gave what little they had to Jesus. And in the end of the analysis, became saints, no, not football players, but individuals who, knowing the truth about Jesus, took their faith as far as they could go and became martyrs for the cause. Now, interestingly, that outcome, notwithstanding the pain and suffering that went along with it, being a martyr, was total victory for those saints. Having abundance in Jesus cannot be confused with having all of our material desires met. Scripture consistently indicates 
that abundance is not having a bunch of stuff, but instead being close to Christ, giving Jesus everything we have and trusting him to provide what we need. Appreciating the truth about the abundance in Jesus requires that we contemplate and comprehend that we are spiritual beings that will always exist rather than focusing on dying. It's interesting to me that we in this country, even in this church, when we read the scripture, John 12, 48, you know it. It says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. We know that scripture. Most of us immediately acknowledge we are a blessed people in a blessed country and have been entrusted and given much, yet we quickly fall off that bandwagon into the comparison game and typically determine that no matter how much we seem to have been given, it may not be enough. And we become selfish about what has been given to us. And interestingly, that's what that scripture from John 12 is all about. Because right before Jesus says, to whom is much is given, much is demanded, this is what he says. He says, who then is the faithful and wise manager, who the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant if the master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put that faithful servant in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, well, my master has taken a long time coming back. And then he begins to beat the other servants and eat and drink and get drunk. In other words, he becomes selfish. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. I think we can infer from that scripture that we have everything that we need from God and that we had better be doing what God expects us to be doing with all of that because one day our last day will come at an hour that we don't expect it. And then we will no longer have the opportunity to live within the complete abundance we have if in fact we neither acknowledged we had it nor acted upon it. The old adage, you know it, close only counts in horseshoes. That's one of those ones we think maybe that's in the Bible. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really think that was in the Bible. But it could be, right? It seems like it ought to be. The concept of good enough cannot be used by us to limit our Christian life out of fear and anxiety based upon our own misperception of scarcity. Good enough only works for us in the same way it worked for Jesus. That is in moving on to our next task for God. Never stopping the race and always playing to separate ourselves as Christians to such a degree that there's no chance that the other team can catch us. Let us pray. God, you've given us abundance in you and allow us to take what you've given us and dedicate it to you and to Jesus. And from that, Lord, we can do anything. But Lord, we act as though we sometimes have nothing. Help us, Lord, to eliminate that mindset 
so that we can live out fully the lives you anticipate for us. And the time we have, whatever that may be, whether it's one more day, one more decade, or another century, Lord, so that, Lord, when we pass, those around us can look at the example and say, there went a good and faithful servant of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.